Hi, I'm Rui Branco. Welcome to Talking Usework, a podcast brought to you by the Future Labs Project. Talking Usework is a series of 15 podcast interviews to usework experts and practitioners that have a say when it comes to innovation in usework either because they are using creative methods to empower young people, researching on use trends or responsible for use policies at international level. Like a shot of inspiration, all of our guests have a unique point of view about how can use workers shake up, upgrade and innovate on their daily work. Hi, I'm Anita Silva and together with Rui we are hosting this podcast. And today we talked with Nerius Kraushunas, an international trainer in the field of youth. Nerius is really a reference when it comes to connecting the digital world with youth work on the field. We started talking about his personal journey into youth work and how that shaped what he does today. In the beginning, Nerius uh, connects references like Paul Freire on education and critical thinking with McLuhan on media literacy, which I find really interesting. Then we discussed a bit how he sees innovation in the field of youth and we identified possible barriers that might be stopping youth workers to become more innovative. And finally, Nerius left some really precious tips on digital tools that you might want to consider if you work directly with young people. It was real pleasure to have him in the show. So get ready, let's talk youth work. Hi everyone, today we are here with Nerius Kroshunas, if I'm saying this correctly, probably not, you'll repeat your name, and he's an international trainer quite known in the field of youth work and working a lot in the digital world as well, but I think I'll let you present yourself and say your name correctly for our listeners to know. All right, I'm happy to be here. My name is Nerius Kroutsunas. That's uh, what I said. I'm used to <laughs> have different pronunciation of names, so I'm okay with that. When uh, I need to define myself to people who know the field, I would say I'm working as a freelance trainer. But when I'm applying for a visa or I need to uh, declare my entry into some countries, I, I'm just writing I'm educator. <laughs> it's interesting because I think uh, in our part of the world, educator are maybe losing their respect while you travel somewhere else. Educators are very respected uh, identity profession. So that would be my definition of myself. Mm-hmm. Besides of doing training work, um, I'm also uh, active with uh, our local organization, which is involved in international youth work activities. Right. Plus, we do a little bit of um, uh, uh, educational digital software development related to uh, digital open badges. So that would be approximately what I'm doing. <laughs> I think you confused people right now with That's so many okay. stuff. I like to cross borders and confuse people. <laughs> Good. Yeah, but f- from what I'm hearing, you're an educator that uh, goes about it in not only in one way, with several several approaches to the, the education. Yes, uh, yes, that would be for me. But still, I think the core starting point for me being educator and I think I'm uh, following the concept of education uh, introduced by Freire. So it's not that teaching, but it's more learning through dialogue, exchange, uh, find, searching for different truths. So that's why I like to use the word education. I think it, it has quite strong meaning. Yeah, more than teaching. It's broader, isn't it? Yes. And how did you got into youth work? 
actually. How was your beginnings? If I would say by accident. <laughs> That's okay. That's, <laughs> That's accepted. Okay. It is partly by accident because uh, I never projected my career being an educator or being involved in what I'm doing now. But uh, at some point in my uh, life and I was still studying, uh, I came up with a couple of ideas uh, to do for my town, original town where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I started to look for somebody interested to listen to ideas and they signposted me to youth council which apparently had very good uh, active listening skills and uh, they listened a lot to what I was talking and they also introduced me to uh, civil society organizations uh, activism uh, and and also youth work and one of the things what they offered to me is to to take part in one of the international training activities where I actually uh, got to know about youth exchanges, which really changed the way I started to look what I want from my uh, career, because that time I was studying business, so I went to become a businessman, uh, but uh, that's okay. I mean, I managed to change a bit, although I think it's still, even when I'm doing um, international youth work and education, I think it's still a lot for me helping all the approaches about being a bit of organized land uh timed and so on, which is maybe qualities of a businessman, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That would be my entry point, really for, for local youth council. Cool. So so I was I was going to say that you were actually one of these youngsters that got to know youth work, um, got involved in youth work uh, early and, and then became a youth worker. Uh, I would correct. I would say I was the latecomer because okay. uh, I was already twenties. Uh, ah, okay. So that would be very late for 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 youngster to mm-hmm. to be. Uh, so I think um, for me, uh, I never would say I came too late. Uh, I think it's a good time for me, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I just quick quicker uh, started to get into different roles from being participant in several international projects. I realized that I want to lead uh, groups or bring groups on international youth exchanges. So I have a quick, I turned into a different role, mm-hmm. as well as it was a period of one or two years where uh, I intensively also uh, observed and participated in training courses where I learned that trainer can be a profession at work. So I started to project my career in that direction. So it was ha- happening maybe in two, three years time. And then from being a participant in one of the first activities, after three years, I was already doing international training activities. So it was fast. uh, (laughs) You went into the fast track. Yes. (laughs) Well, it's good that you did, because right now you became a trainer of youth workers um, and you help youth workers uh, improve the quality of their work, right? Yes. I think one of the things that's been doing training activities with uh, youth workers, we always talk in two Perspectives. We always talk about what young people are expecting, needing from uh, youth work services delivered by youth workers. And then we turn back to youth workers asking, so what do you think about one of the other topics? Uh, how can your practice uh, be better? And I think it's part of uh, our job in a way to uh, reflect uh, our practice together with uh, people who are in, 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 in the room and allow them to really take uh, critical reflections on their practices and look for what could be done, improved. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, do you do you feel that sometimes some of the information is lost because your training trainers, training youth workers, 
that contact directly with the with the youngsters. Do you feel that sometimes you get too detached from the youth to the youngsters because you're receiving the message that the youth workers bring to you? Or do you do you do you feel the need to go talk to the to the youngsters so you can better prepare the youth workers? Uh, I think uh, you you are very correct in saying that we will anyway than having participants who are youth workers. Uh, when we talk about young people, we will hear things about young people from the perspective of youth workers still. So of course there are filters uh, which people put or their interpretations of uh, of um, situations. I think what helps me a lot is beyond the listening to participants' stories, I'm also very curious to uh, look into a bit of data, a bit of surveys about of uh, youth reality uh, uh, data. So this gives a little bit maybe more objective uh, uh, view on what is happening with young people, trends uh, in youth generation. And I think that helps a little bit compensate when I'm thinking about uh, direct contact with young people. I would say uh, still very recently I was uh, helping young people in doing youth exchanges. Maybe the last couple of years I'm maybe not so active. I uh, also realized something that, uh, especially when you're in a bar, and it used to be that if I just hang at the bar and turn to right or left, I could talk to people and we would have a conversation. But uh, nowadays I feel that when I turn to right or left, uh, young people just uh, try to avoid me. So I'm getting older. So I'm always uh, kind of questioning myself and others. Uh, how old can you be to still work with, you for, with young people directly? And I think in different countries and practices there are different perspectives. But I follow that at some point I think it's okay if you stop working directly with young people as long as you keep at least uh, uh, interest in listening to the ones who work. Plus, also looking at research data, a bit of trends uh, with young people. That, that's a, a really good advice. And I would ask you if, if a youth worker or if any person wants to understand more about the trends in youth work or the trends in young people in the younger generations, uh, would you recommend um, a website, a book, um, a person that they could follow that where they can be informed about this, the, the recent research about how the new generations are behaving? I would uh, think that uh, one of the sources would be all the official uh, research done by by national uh, institutes of youth or European Commission uh, Eurostat uh, statistics, which is really giving a very comprehensive overview of what is going on with young people. Plus, all these surveys and researches they would be scientific and uh, valid in them, in their results. Mm -hmm. That would be one of the sources. Another source I would always look into a uh, field of marketing. Uh, and cons consumerism. That's where a lot of research are done. And they have quite interesting insights about uh, uh, who our young people are and especially how to influence them. Mm -hmm. I know that maybe these sectors are a bit evil from our mm -hmm. perspective, but uh, to learn from them, I think it's very good and important. And plus, they have, again, rather professional studies done about young people as a group, segments, uh, and so on. Of course, they have maybe goals and and reasons are different than youth workers, but a picture, a portrait of young people could be pretty representative and interesting. Um, also, nowadays, I started to follow some reports coming from uh, McKinsey, uh, mm -hmm. a big analytical uh, organization. They do a lot of research on different fields. And I found quite interesting ones which are directly talking about young people, for example, employment, why some 
in some countries, unemployment of young people are bigger than others, uh, relating to structures and in institutions behind. So it's quite inter interesting uh, to read. Do, do you feel that sometimes uh, youth workers are not open to learning from other sources? Uh, do you feel that sometimes youth work gets too much closed in youth work? Mm, well, I could tell that from my perspective, when I was a bit uh, starting to enter the field, uh, I was saying, okay, I want to study also this field. And in my country, the closest study I could, got, could get was a bit of adult education. Mm -hmm. And I started to study being still very new in the field. And I uh, I basically uh, was kicked out from my first master's studies on <laughs> education because uh, I couldn't read uh, scientific texts. For me, it was not enough colorful and, uh, and interactive. And I was always complaining that all these texts are so boring and so on. That was my first entry into the world of academic studies, uh, where I wanted to learn. I had motivation. I wanted to know how people learn, how they learn the best, but it didn't work out from that time. But then later on, when I came again back after maybe five years of experience working in the field, I again applied for master's studies in, 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 in education. And then I think I, I managed to learn how to read these kind of heavy texts and how to interpret, make sense of them and value. So that was about academic research and so on. Until now, whenever it comes a new research in what I'm interested, I would be keen on going through the uh, outcomes, methodology and so on to understand. When it comes to other fields, I think what we as youth workers sometimes are not so open, or I would say we always, sometimes, not always, <laughs> sometimes we think that our goals are kind of higher than the other goals from other sectors, but I think it's not true. I think we can be open enough to learn from what is existing and actually improve our work. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm agreeing that sometimes we're a bit closed. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, could re I could recognize that too in the field. A bit of resistance to see, for example, from the corporate areas, like marketing studies or others, that we see firstly that the values of these organizations are obviously not the same values as youth work and therefore we discard um, any uh, interesting knowledge that might have been studied there and might have been discovered there and so we kind of run away from from those from those sources but it's very interesting what you were saying because you talked about how you promote good practices or uh, you promote that youth workers reflect about their practices improve their practices and also that that crossing that with the fact that you were you study all these these papers these different sources of knowledge and actually we're so lucky to have you here because you became a reference in the european sector youth work sector um on about digital learning and and that becomes something that you are uh i don't know curious about or but tell me about it how did you got into this topic of digital learning uh digital youth work that you're known for well, uh, my entry into digital uh, topic was uh, through my uh, studies uh, at university where I, I chose to focus on critical media literacy as one of the subjects uh, uh, to study and research. But by then you could read these articles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, okay. uh, that was the first, normally it's a few semesters you learn how to do things and then you do it yourself. So right. uh, I think in, in one of the semesters I, I got uh, introduced to McLuhan and his uh, uh, theories and ideas about media and how technology is actually making an impact on, 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 on people. 
And then I connected to what Freire was doing with uh, critical uh, uh, literacies. Uh, it was more about uh, how using uh, uh, teaching, educating, reading, and 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 speaking languages would also uh, improve uh, situations of people. Mm-hmm. And then I, I followed uh, these ideas to find out that there is a, a big number of people who are into critical media literacy, studying how we uh, learn media, how we develop media literacy skills, and how does it affect us. So that was impressive for me, and I said, okay, I want to focus, and that was my entry point. So uh, when I was doing research for myself, I was researching how international youth work projects contribute to uh, critical media literacy. So that was my entry. Mm-hmm. And then I think uh, it, it created foundations for me to go further on right. with uh, digital to- to- topics. And right now, so what are the digital tools or digital projects that you're involved with linked with youth work? I think one of the most important is uh, further developing um, uh platform for uh, using digital uh, badges for recognition of skills. So that would be still ongoing project. Uh, we are further expanding uh, possibilities. We are now working on uh, uh, one project which is about offering uh, for, let's say, city level platform to identify opportunities for young people to learn and uh, develop their talents linked to batch issuing and it's digital so young people really could search and find very interesting uh, offers to them that's one and uh, i'm involved uh, in uh, uh, concerning trainers work where the international youth work trainers guild uh, we're developing an online environment for trainers to do self-assessment of their competences collect feedback from their participants and contractors and possibly plan their uh, future professional development. So I think these are the core exciting uh, uh, developments I'm involved in, which a lot is in between what I'm doing as education, training, uh, and also technology. So Mm -hmm. now I'm kind of in both sectors trying to to find where things can work. Uh, Lately, it became also very kind of, priority development uh, sector also called ed- educational technology. More and more companies are entering this field, so it's interesting to see what's new. Mm-hmm. D- uh, it's two, two questions in one, because from what you said, I was a little bit curious to know more about the recognition of skills the, using, I think, badge craft or something similar. The other question is, uh, what's the, uh, the role that you think that technology will play in the future because young people are more and more connected do you think that the training will be mostly online or some kind of technology not in-person learning okay Uh, so maybe i will start from the first one to explain a bit about uh, digital open badges They work as, uh, uh, it would be a digital certificate. We are used to get sometimes in some uh, activities paper certificate, which says you are participating in some activity and a bit of uh, information about activity. So digital badges are more than that. They, 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 they encode (laughs) information about your achievements in in digital image, uh, which can be transparent portable from one platform to another as long as we use the same standards of reading that data. So the idea is that if person learns, let's say, at university on online course and they issue badges, 
and at the same time the person is doing a youth work practice in uh, in a youth center and youth center is issuing badges for uh, practice development uh, both can arrive to one profile and person would always have it within own profile so that's uh, the key key uh, idea of uh, digital badges that they have information about your achievement uh, they have verified uh, credentials and they show who is issuing for what kind of activities so that's um, the, the technology behind uh, that organization to uh, solutions for their programs and here I, I see very interesting things what is actually changing the way we understand how you can know if someone is is is, is good at something mm-hmm. yourself but others so it helps to really uh, show what what you're good at and in the, a bit of real data a bit of evidence so that's uh, key points about and, that and that that platform is batchcraft yes the platform is batchcraft where the organizations can log in and also uh, for example young people they can uh, use a, a badge wallet application to collect their badges so if they have smartphone but also if they just have access to internet it's already uh, possible for them to earn if organizations start offering such opportunities is there any uh, formal schools or academic uh, organizations uh, offering these badges at the moment yes uh, if uh, even with our platform we have cooperation with a uh, uh, university in, in Lithuania which is actually badging all extracurricular activities of students uh, wow. we said okay we want to make sure that whatever students do extra we can issue badge and then they have badge portfolio, competence portfolio and so on. Also work with uh, UNESCO Schools Network, uh, which is about global education programs. So we badge everything which is related to global education. Right. If I go beyond our platform, where are even platforms created just for universities, the same to issue badges or for corporations and companies. I think we stayed within the youth work sector, non-formal education sector, because that's where we are strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would be a bit about this question you asked uh, in relation to badges. Uh, about the second one, uh, about uh, technology and how technology is cha- changing and shaping uh, the way we learn, I would need to clarify how far in future you asked me to answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, it, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking uh, uh, maybe 20 years. 20 years. Well, uh, I just uh, finished reading a, a book about super forecasting, and um, uh, it was interesting to learn how you can as accurately as possibly to uh, predict future. And then they say the, the longer it is in future, the more difficult to predict. And uh, normally you need to have a lot of uh, uh, source and information and update your predictions. So one thing about uh, maybe what will happen in, in future, if you compare 10 this this year, last 10 years, and compared 10 years before, yeah. we, we live in a completely different environment, yeah? So I think we will be living in a completely different environment. Some features we will maintain, but I imagine that certain things will be really different, even connection. Now we need phone. Who knows? Maybe we'll have integrated chips to call each other through the hand, <laughs> and uh, we will be still calling uh, each other unless somebody will invent uh, a possibility to read mind but then again I think we will have also protective helmets to wear <laughs> I can go really wild with uh, predictions but I cannot be accurate because um, it's it's very difficult really I think what 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 I want is for people to really think every day that future will be different hmm. and uh, how can we prepare for 
the unknown. What tools do you think we can use or what kind of trends should be we, we should be looking at to prepare for something we don't know? I think my starting point would be uh, to, to learn to accept that uh, there is an unknown factors and a lot of them. So not to believe somehow blindly that uh, we know everything or mm -hmm. we can know everything. So I think that's very important because it's emotionally it's not an easy uh, quality because you need to accept that you don't know things, but also maybe nobody knows. There is no an expert who could say in 20 years this will happen. Yeah. Or I don't know, it's a magic thing. Mm. So that's one about accepting an, an unknown. I think curiosity, very important. If, 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 if something is coming up or it's just a feeling that something is coming up, you can already be curious mm. and investigate a little bit or start following. Yeah. I think it's important also time management because you need to spend and allocate some time for something what is not your daily routine and daily job. What I find very often when we talk about youth workers, it's that um, uh, I think people hardly have time to just spend researching, reading, reflecting and so on because daily routine is so intense. We need to do a lot of things. And all problems are just piling. Mm -hmm. And then you, as soon as you finish sorting problems of this day, already next day you have new problems coming up. And I think it's not very healthy for preparing ourselves for future, but also then young people. How can you prepare a young person for a future if you didn't spend much time thinking about that future? So I think having time to think, it's important. And finding it. Maybe these three things mm -hmm. to start with. Right. And I think what you're saying is very interesting. Um, this project, Future Labs, is really about how can we bring more innovation into the youth work field? How can we support youth workers, be more innovative, adapt to this new future that is coming up? Um, and also, how can we mainstream these solutions that need to emerge and be tested and it's piloted, etc.? So, how do you see this, this, how do you relate to this topic of innovation in youth work? Um, are, are youth workers innovative at all? Um, if I would be critical, which I am, <laughs> I would say uh, we are trying to catch up with um, uh, what's coming next, I would say. And I think there are some objective uh, reasons for that, because if we look at resources for innovation, I think at the moment we are still very much within uh, academic mm -hmm. uh, research institutes and not necessarily in all, in all countries. Right. And also within business. What do you mean with resources for innovation? Uh, money. All right. Money and also culture of experimentation. Because uh, experimentation means that I can spend thousands of euros to invent something which will not work. Mm -hmm. And be ready to accept this, that there will be failures on the way towards innovation and so on. So if I think it, in that perspective, and we can come back again to national budgets uh, or local budgets available for youth work, uh, um, it's very little innovation you can do and even less innovation which you can do without um, uh, without um, uh, any any uh, failure yeah because yeah. we're dealing with public money and failure you cannot fail because yeah. you need to report so I think it's quite quite objective in my opinion and then which is something more subjective it's about uh, really how you are curious about what's coming, how you are ready to look out into other sectors and also how much you are observant and reflective about what is going on with society 
to be able to predict at least few years in ahead. Mm-hmm. So that's subjective. That you can maybe learn and change and 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 yeah. So you're talking about two major barriers to innovation. One being the lack of resources for testing, for learning what works and what not, and another one being more of a mindset where actually you are curious about the future, you want to adapt, you want to change instead of uh, being uh, nostalgic, let's say, with, oh, these young people, they're always on their phone. Do you think youth workers are are nostalgic? I think, yeah, because uh, then I attend some events, big events, conferences and so on, and some um, guest speakers are opening uh, the, the their input. They say, oh, I remember when I was young, it was this and that, or this wasn't, like, especially about digital stuff. They would yeah. always say, when I got my first computer, it was these times. So I think with age, people get naturally a bit more nostal- nostalgic about good times, better times when we were more youthful. Mm-hmm. And I think this translates into our uh, current uh, daily approaches of how we we we, we deal with new exposure uh, new exposures to technology or changes. So I think we're a bit, but it's also a bit not only for I guess for youth workers. It could be also for other professions. But with time, we get more nostalgic. Yeah, and I think it's it's also a bit working with yourself to remind. Okay, if you say it was when I was young or when mm-hmm. I was 10 years ago, that's maybe time to stop and look, okay, what do we have now and what we could possibly have in the next five years? I, I have uh, one question about this. You were talking about this. The, the people usually that are in the places that make the decisions to finance use work they're the ones that uh, usually are not uh, are nostalgic, and sometimes uh, the future is too fast for some policies. Policies take a lot of time to implement, and the world is changing faster. Do you have any ideas how can we bridge the gap between policy making and the work in the field? Uh, when I think about this uh, gap, uh, it is, I think nowadays it's very much uh, reflected in the voting results according age groups in many countries. I think uh, uh, in Europe, Brexit was one of the examples where young people wanted different future compared to uh, fellow citizens who were in different age groups. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's uh, that's something what is going on right now through institutional and democratic uh, kind of uh, change. Uh, young people, they say they they, uh, they disbelieve in politics, but I think it's not a problem of young people. It's more problem of politics that they manage to lose uh, connection with young people, and it's not easy when you are getting older to accept the youthfulness because it's absolutely different generation. The way they think, they, the way they operate, the way they see uh, world, it's it's different, and and I think getting more adults we kind of start to be more protective of what we believe in, yeah? And it's very poor because uh, it can be very strong beliefs as foundation which are different, yeah? So I think um, that's, I would critically look at us who are having decision power and how we can listen better and also adapt, which is, I think, studies show that uh, humans can really learn at any age and can adapt. It's not like Physically, it's programmed that the older you are, the, 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 the worse you get at changing and learning. No, I think it's, it's also study saying. So 
I think um, listening more to young people, but also introducing innovations in the same decision-making process. That's what it is possible. I think um, uh, what is going on nowadays in some cities where uh, politicians decide to, to take more smart city approach, they start to look and collect data on which way based decisions. Because decision-making process, very often until now, it was very much based on feeling. How do I feel about one or the other issue? Of course, as much as our brains can uh, encompass uh, data, we, mm-hmm. we can. But I think nowadays the more and more data available about every aspect of life in a city, I think it should start to inform better about decisions, in my opinion. Maybe I'm too optimistic about the, <laughs> the power of technology. <laughs> But sometimes I feel that technology helps a lot to uh, create more objective world. And I think that's what we need in, 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 in life. I mean, to have more data, more natural science uh, based decisions rather than very subjective, but nice and wonderful uh, human. Yeah. And that's, that's very cool. So do, do you think that because you, you made me think now from smart cities and how politicians are now using this raw data to take better informed decisions. Can you imagine uh, a near future where we're going to have smart youth work? We're going to have youth work linked with technology in such a way that also youth workers are taking decisions based on more concrete data. I think we do need to look uh, for the future to start having such hmm. youth work because already during, uh, I think, last year or one year before when Estonia was uh, pres- uh, leading presidents of EU, one of the concepts they introduced, they introduced exactly smart uh, youth work concept, hmm. which was a lot about data-driven, collecting data, using data to take decisions about uh, youth work sector development, identifying priority topics and so on. So I think it is already spelled it out and even conceptually uh, uh, described question will be how how much it will be mainstreamed uh, across other countries and reaching uh, I don't know you for center in one of the towns yeah mm-hmm. I think that's why it gets delay uh, in a good idea to practice mm-hmm. and and now you said something interesting as well mainstreaming one of the basis of this project is the assumption that we're trying to validate that mainstreaming new solutions in youth work in Europe is not very easy, that it is a difficult process to mainstream um, new solutions, innovations that come. Do you agree with this? Uh, yes and no. Yes, okay. because uh, I think uh, you always need to be in the right events and the right key people who formulate proposals. So, for example, if uh, there is a new uh, um, addition of uh, European programs are coming into place, even though it is very much through public consultation where data is gathered, but at some point, someone at some level of uh, one of the institutions decides that this should be better than the rest data is talking, and suddenly this becomes stronger than entire data. Hmm. uh, A political decision. For example, very political or even could be very personal. Mm -hmm. Somebody believes so strong and has access to uh, initiate uh, changes and be very firm with uh, achieving that this will be written inside the new program guide and so on. So I think it is still very much based on uh, human connections and um, hmm. this kind of influences. That's why I'm very hopeful about technology. If you think about uh, uh, 
blockchain technology with smart contracts where it's written in the code that if A happens, then B and C happens, or C, D, and so on, then we need a bit of thinking, but maybe this thinking could be encoded into then policy development and practice development. So that's why I'm pretty optimistic about use of technology, yeah? No, uh, I say no, that it is possible mm. to mainstream. It's an example of uh, badges. Mm. We had a, a project which uh, finished maybe 2015, and already end of uh, 2016, uh, we saw mentioned uh, badges as one of the innovative practices to be mainstreamed in UFORC, uh, and it was a count, uh, EU Council resolution. So I don't know That's quite how, fast. but that was super fast because only 2015 we were concluding results of the project, you see. So for me, I have evidence that it is possible to bring such innovation as open badges or any other maybe so quickly to policy level document at European level. So that was one of the interesting examples which also surprised ourselves. And is it going that quickly as well or at what pace is it going from the political level sorry, to the grassroots level now? So what I'm asking is how much are youth workers actually using badges right now? for me, I see uh, twofold. I'm very subjective in this mm. because I'm also involved in promoting and uh, I think more and more organizations get to know. Also, if I think about Batchcraft, uh, just pure numbers. Uh, last May, we had mm, 9,000 users mm-hmm. and now we are crossing soon 20,000 u- users. Are these users organizations who are making badges no, or the it, it, it can be both but okay. uh, if talking about organizations it's around more than thousand organizations uh, registered right. yeah That's so it's quick but it's more also accumulating for years mm-hmm. yeah so i cannot say that it's super, super fast as messenger you launch <laughs> new messenger and million of users use because <laughs> messenger is very narrow uh, use and that's why you can grow quickly uh, what we do it's more niche niche within non-formal education and uforks so Growth is not the same as it would be in any other application. Yeah? Mm-hmm. But uh, I think what uh, what is important is, and also what is uh, nice to, to know, when suddenly some new initiatives spring out where we want to use badges, or maybe it's also a little bit where being based in Lithuania, I get to know some organizations which start using badges, and it's for sure it's not because we told told about this. So it, it's it's good to see. In numbers, we don't have yet any mm-hmm. research. I think what we are trying now is to still familiarize the sector with this tool and also try to overcome certain challenges, barriers existing, bit of also naturally, uh, I would say UFORC and digital technology sometimes they love each other. Sometimes it's really mm-hmm. very opposing. We don't use smartphones. We don't use social networks. We go on pure interaction, outdoor activities, for example. That mm-hmm. would be one of the extremes. Yeah. Because people have good argument. We are spending too much time with technology. Yeah. And then I say to these people, great, because maybe in a few years' time, you can easily sell your programs outdoor because people will pay for being a bit of disconnected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you were talking about data. And uh, there's a sentence that I remembered from Derek Sievers that says that if information was the answer, we, we'd all be millionaires with perfect abs. Uh, so, uh, do you feel that the critical thinking will be more important than data? I think uh, if you look also at uh, um, which are the most uh, uh, de- demanded courses online, one data analytics would be one of the 
most demanded and attended online courses. Plus, in many sectors, data analytics. It's also one of the professions which is demanded and also uh, well paid. And if I think analytics should have critical mind because you have raw data and you need to make sense out of this raw data, which would be applied into practice. So uh, if anybody would be exposed to data set without analytical critical uh, abilities, they would just say, that's something what, what, mm-hmm. what I cannot understand. Yeah. So I think uh, it's, it's, it's growing need for that because we are having much more data and to make sense out of this data, you need a bit of uh, critical and analytical tools, which for us humans, we need to develop. But I think there is also growing a field of artificial intelligence, which is kind of developed to make sure that we can make sense in a good way uh, out of data we are collecting more and more. Mm-hmm. Well, we're getting almost to the end of our conversation. Um, and I'll do a bit of promotion here because I think that the learning badges are really a great tool. And there are a good way. It is, I think, a good compromise in combining uh, activities where you are with a group face to face, where you can have a lot of different learning settings, different learning scenarios. You can learn in the city, you can learn in a uh, workshop room. And at the same time, you are connected to a digital world and you have as an outcome the badges, which is, like you said, transportable to different platforms used in different ways. So I, I think it is a great tool. And I wanted to ask you, would you recommend youth workers that are listening other tools, other digital tools that can be useful for their work if, if they want to start, if they're looking for solutions to integrate the digital into their work? Uh, for sure, because there uh, uh, are uh, different digital tools, applications and platforms for really uh, different goals you want to achieve. For example, there are plenty of good uh, project management uh, tools, platforms. Myself at the moment, I'm, I'm using Meister Task, for example. Mm. It's colorful. It has task lists, uh, deadlines, assignments, uh, even time tracking mm. integrated in one. And it has both web versions, desktop and um, in my phone. So I can use them wherever I, 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 I need it. So one, another thing what we often use, it's uh, GPS based uh, location applications, which allows you to do city treasure hunts mm. uh, using apps. Uh, Action Bound, we use uh, Click a Clue. It's another one, which is interesting because it also has uh, photo recognition uh, technology where you can make, uh, I don't know, a, a tour around graffitis in the city where people can come to different walls by uh, GPS mm-hmm. uh, location and then they need to uh, scan exact uh, piece of uh, graffiti to unlock next step. So I see it's 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 very dynamic, interactive, and 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 creative. Yeah. Also, all the the digital creativity platforms, uh, which for me I I, I use myself Canva mm-hmm. uh, as one of them, where I create infographics. I think here we can be much more professional with our communication. Mm-hmm. If you need to have nice poster, it's already a lot available and very often it's for free. That's also something we, 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 we do need to pay. And sometimes we pay, for example, in our organization, we pay knowing that it will be given access to young people to use these tools. For example, we have some subscription, yearly subscriptions to some tools because we use it in different settings for exchanges, for our work and so on. And then young yeah. people can use tools which otherwise wouldn't be accessible and they don't know them. They know very well social networking, photo making uh, apps, but when it comes to more 
digital creativity, digital uh, management, and so on. I think it's new world for young people as well. And if we, as youth workers, use them, know them, and apply in, in practice, then young people will learn them. And many of these tools are used also in business settings. So mm-hmm. then during job interview, you can mention, I'm able to do this and that with this platform and that. So uh, I think we'll finish here, but we have a, a last ask of our guests is to leave a question for our next guest. Okay, I think my question to the next guest would be, if uh, you would be 100% sure that something what you will want to achieve in your uh, youth work or training, mm. wherever the guest is from, if you would be 100% sure that this will happen, I mean, you will be able to achieve, what would be this one thing? Mm. Okay. Very nice question. <laughs> Very good. We'll let you know. Well, you have to hear the next podcast okay. <laughs> to know the answer. So uh, I want to thank you, both of you, because uh, you're in a training, both of you, and I'm remote. So yeah, uh, actually, we didn't explain it to our listeners. Um, both me and Arius, we are in this moment in Bucharest uh, delivering an ATOC training, uh, and we are recording this in one of the hotel rooms <laughs> and, <laughs> and you who you are in Portugal in Lisbon right yeah yeah and so we're doing this remotely so digital uh, technologies again helping us to bring good projects come alive yeah so g- goodbye Nerius uh, goodbye Anita yeah bye thank you bye and thank you for inviting me <laughs> thank you Nerius well That was our second episode. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Keep listening. We'll be talking use work. This podcast is funded by the Erasmus Plus Usewatch program powered by Team Mais and the editorial board of UMAC University of Applied Sciences. Kari Kero, Jarmo Roxa and Christiana Vesama with the support of all the Future Labs partners. 